We've all heard the saying, learn to love the process. But why learn to love something? Why not create a process that is easy to love? Welcome to Peace with the Process, where I bring you professionals who specialize in the processes we incorporate to sustain consistent, healthy growth. I believe in learning from others' mistakes and successes. So I also bring on entrepreneurs who have been in the trenches and tell us how they got there and how they got out. I hope you find something in today's episode that you can apply to your own life and that you find your peace with the process along the way. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Peace with the Process. Today is our second episode launching of the Process Perspective episode. If you haven't checked out the first one, go back and check that one out. What we do on these episodes is we're going to get into a little bit of what's going on in my life. Now, that could be a choice that I had to make, a situation that I encountered, just a little lesson that I've learned in life. And we'll dive into that a little bit. And then I also want to talk about some of the takeaways that I had from the guests that we had on the show this month. So this month is November. By the time that you listen to this, you will have already had your Thanksgiving lunches, dinners, and brunches. So I hope those went very well with you. And I know with uh, the COVID season going on that Maybe several of you didn't have a Thanksgiving uh, as traditional as years past, but at least I hope you were able to stuff yourselves with some amazing food. So let's go ahead and get started today and get to talking a little bit about something that I learned over this month. If you've been following Peace With The Process on Facebook, you've probably noticed that at the beginning of this month, I had a goal to start running never been a runner. I never enjoyed running. I never pretended to enjoy running, but I have had a change of heart. So ultimately the choice to start doing this, the choice to, to get up and instead of, you know, I've always worked out. I've always done uh, yoga or gone to the gym. I actually started doing yoga because of some injuries I sustained at the gym, just kind of getting to a place where I could make sure I could throw my own body weight around uh, so that I can get those muscles, specifically my lower back from doing some deadlifts and things like that. I think that's pretty common. I'm sure there's plenty of you out there who can relate to those kinds of injuries. So I've been doing yoga for quite a while now, and then I'll probably move into some calisthenics. But the reason I decided to start running was I actually connected with Ryan Mickler, who was the host of the Order of Man podcast, talked about his son that uh, was born, and he was overweight at the time and having a tough time staying, uh, staying up to speed with his son. And I really connected with that, and I was happy to have listened to his story so that I had the opportunity to be proactive in my own life. So uh, many of you probably know, some of you may not know, I have a son that is on his way. He will be here around June 1st of 2021. This is my first kid, and I'm extremely excited to be a father. Uh, with that, 
there was a moment in time where I spent about an hour sitting in silence the day that we found out uh, that we were we were pregnant and we were going to be expecting. And I started going through my mind, you know, I had an image in my head of the kind of father that I wanted to be when that day came. And of course, there were a few things on that checklist that were not checked off yet. One of those things being uh, the physical condition that I'm in. Uh, I'm, I'm in decent shape. Uh, I'm by no means a, uh, a triathlon runner, uh, as I said before, but, um, you know, I stay in decent shape. Um, I, I like the way that I look, but there's some things that I want to make sure that I'm still pushing for and still growing. I want to gain some extra muscle mass, things like that. Um, but one of the things that I've always struggled with has been cardio. Uh, I've done the Stairmaster, I enjoyed that, but there's something about the endurance in long-term running that I connected with Ryan's story. You know, uh, when, when I have a son and when he gets to the age where he's ready to be running around and he's ready to be, uh, you know, playing around in the yard and whatever that may be, I want to make sure that I can keep up with him, that I'm not getting gassed before he's getting gassed. I want him to be tired before I get tired, and I knew that a great way to do that uh, was to start running, get that endurance up, get that cardio going. So at the beginning of November, I made a goal that I was going to be able to run a mile straight by the end of December. Now, I had a few people tell me, oh, you'll be surprised. You'll hit that way before uh, your goal date. I was a little less skeptical, mostly because I do not run. I don't run. Uh, well, I didn't run. So I've changed that perspective. And I'm saying that uh, I do run now. I am a runner. And part of that battle is the mental battle. But they were right. They were absolutely right. So within a week, I realized that starting off running, I was trying to run like an eight, seven minute mile at the pace that I was starting at. And I was getting gassed at like a quarter mile. You know, so I thought this is going to take a long time. And I got some advice from a few people who told me I needed to slow down my pace, uh, at least at the beginning, you know, get a few miles under my belt and then I can start working on the uh, the pace, you know, bumping that pace up and increasing my mile time. So, you know, two weeks in, I hit one mile. I felt amazing. You know, the slowing down the pace absolutely helped. It wasn't uh, it wasn't easy. You know, it was still a struggle because I, I hadn't hadn't ran or really done any cardio in over a year. Um, you know, other than the uh, the little bit of cardio I get from from yoga. So I realized, okay, I hit this goal pretty quick. Now it's time for me to bump that goal up. I need to keep the same date. So December 31st is the same date. Uh, I'm going to do two miles before December 31st. I'm going to be able to run two miles straight without stopping by December 31st. Uh, again, if you've been on my Facebook page at all, my personal page, or the Peace with the Process page, you'll see a video that I decided to throw up. And the same day that I put that video up there, was the day that I hit two miles without stopping. Now, this was literally a week and a half after I made the goal to hit two miles without stopping. So I was ecstatic, and I talk a little bit on the video that I posted about the realizations that I had during that challenge that I gave myself. And I think if you're trying to figure out things about yourself your physical fitness is one of the best places to start. That's why the fitness industry is so huge. That's why so many people who have done things in the fitness industry, you've heard um, you know, Jim Harshaw who did wrestling and coached wrestling and then took his knowledge from that sport 
and applied it to helping others to perform at a higher level in all areas of their life, not just fitness. But there's something about the challenges that are presented, the mentalities that you have to overcome when you start to create these goals uh, within your, your physical capabilities. So one of those that I realized, and I pulled it from the concept that David Goggins talks about in his book, Can't Hurt Me, which is we're only using 40%. Now that's whether you want to think that that's you know, 40% of your thinking power, 40% of your physical power. Ultimately, at the end of the day, your brain is stopping you at 40%. And you can push past it and keep going to get to where you're now using 50, 60, 70, 80. I don't know if 100% is physically possible without having some side effects in there, but you know, I'll try that out. I'll see what that's like. And I'll do a little digging into that too, see what I can find out. Uh, if you know, let me know. You know, drop a uh, drop a comment on one of my posts on Facebook and let me know. I'll do a teaser video for this episode, and you can let me know what you think about that. But we're only using forty percent, and I felt that there was a point in running that two miles where I picked out a bridge and I said, "Okay, I'm at the I'm at the mile mark. I've already hit the mile mark, and I'm running back, and I was about a mile and a half. I was getting to that mile and a halfway mark, and I said, "Okay." After this bridge, I'm going to go ahead and walk it. I'm getting gassed. I'm getting, you know, really worn down. And it's not so much the, the legs as it is uh, the breathing, you know, really controlling that breathing. And as I started getting closer to this bridge and closer to this bridge, all of a sudden, it was like I had a second wind. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to keep pushing it. I'm going to keep going. I feel like I can keep going. And I did. You know, I, I went way past it. I hit uh, a mile and three quarters. And, of course, I'm looking at my car because where I run, I run a mile down. And then I start that second mile on the way back toward where my car is parked. Now, I will say that when I saw my car in the distance, I started to realize, okay, I still got a little bit to go. And some of that fatigue, some of that, uh, that breathing started getting a little bit harder but I was already at the one mile and three quarter mark I said I'm not quitting now I just did a video while I was running that first mile about you know pushing yourself and about you know what you can achieve when you connect what your goals are with your why my why being being able to keep up with my son I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pushing. And I made it. I hit that second mile. And I did a rocky dance in the parking lot. You know, I threw my hands up. I was super excited to hit that two-mile mark. Now, two miles is not that impressive to people who run. Uh, It may not even be that impressive to somebody who has not ran since high school and decides to go back out and run. You know, they they know some of the techniques that are involved. They know some of the things that, uh, that are required to sustain themselves for several miles. I know people who run six miles a day. So two miles is by no means impressive. I'm not trying to brag about the distance that I ran uh, or you know the the goal in and of itself but the mentality that had to be broken uh, in order for me who really doesn't know anything about running I was never interested in running uh, didn't quite know the right techniques until I looked into it you know realize how important uh, footwear is I still need to get a better pair of shoes I think I've had these Nikes that I've got for running for probably two or three years so I can tell I'm probably going to be ending up with some issues if I don't get those switched out. But it's things that you learn and you start accumulating all of this knowledge that is going to lead you to the realizations, the mental breakthroughs, 
and the tools that you need to hit those goals. But one of the key things that I realized when creating this goal and having achieved this goal is that back when I started in November 1st, I told myself I was going to run a mile within two months. I hit it in two weeks. Then I cranked it up to two miles by the next week or month and a half and hit that in a half a month. So before December even started, I've already doubled my goal and now I'm about to triple it because once you hit a goal, push it further, put it out there further. My new goal is now three miles by December 31st. So that's what, that's 300% of what my original goal was. So I was limiting myself by, I don't even know the percentage. It was probably less than 40%. I was probably telling myself something closer to like 10% of what I actually was capable of. And, or 1%, maybe even less than 1% of what I was actually capable of. And ended up achieving 200% more. Now working to push myself 300% more. Uh, and that's just in terms of distance. you know. But as far as your your actual capabilities... I was way limiting myself. So one of my takeaways from that was pulling more than what I think I'm capable of and really striving for more than what I think I'm capable of. Now, of course, there's balance related to that. You know, there's you got make sure that you're being realistic, do a little bit of your research. But at the end of the day, make sure that it is a challenge. Don't be afraid to crank crank it up. If you achieve it way before you thought you were, you're going to realize how much you're actually capable of when you just get started. So you can sure start off with a small goal. There's no, there's no issue with that. That's what helps you get started. And we've talked about this in one of the other process perspective episodes where I say everyone feels like they need to have everything in place before they get started. Well, if I had done that, then it would be December 1st before I even put a foot to the ground and started running. But I started getting after it and I started moving and now I can see what I'm truly becoming capable of. And I truly feel I'm going to hit that three miles before December 31st. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about what I've realized about myself. And I know that there's probably something in your life right now that you may have set a goal for. Uh, you may not have even gotten started on it because of the intimidation of will I even accomplish it or will I even get close? You know, a lot of times... The fear of failure stops us before we even get started. But just realize that once you actually get started, you will surprise yourself. Make sure that your goal is connected to a strong why. It's connected to a strong value that you hold in your life. And you'll continue to push yourself. When I started getting down to that last quarter mile, I caught myself saying, no, this is for my son. This is for my son. I'm pushing for my son which is inadvertently for myself as well because I want to be the type of father who's able to keep up with his child uh, and, and able to have time with my kid. I don't want to be the father who sits on the couch and says, no, bud, you go ahead and go out and play and uh, you know, I'll, I'll come out a little bit later or nah, I'm too tired to do this right now, yada, yada, yada. I don't want to be that kind of father. And that, that urge, the value of how I feel a father should be for his son was strong enough to keep me pushing. So that is something that I experienced in my life. And there's another takeaway from that experience that I also realized, and that is consistency equals influence. 
How many times have you made a trick shot and someone said, I bet you can't do it again? That, it's so common with the things that we accomplish in life. To accomplish something just one time or, uh, or, or to do some, you know, uh, some task or have done something once, there is a level of influence you're going to have. Even if you've never accomplished anything, you still hold a level of influence, but your influence is multiplied even higher by your consistency to get results over and over and over again to achieve what you've achieved before several times over again. Because at the end of the day, people will try to chalk it up to luck or They'll try to chalk it up to circumstances or, you know, something was in your favor when that happened. We hear it all the time. It's, it's people's way of downplaying your achievements. But if you're able to do it consistently, now by no means go out of your way to uh, prove other people wrong. You know, if it's something that took a lot of work, you had to have consistent work building up to that achievement, there's your consistency. Your consistency may have been in the background. Now, if you built a business and sold it, I'm not telling you to go back out, build another business and sell it again, build another business and sell it again. There are people out there who have done that and they now have a reputation for being able to do it and there's no luck involved. That's fine. But you don't have to do this huge thing over and over and over again. But there is consistency involved at some level that gives you the influence that you need to make a positive impact. I believe that we all strive to make a positive impact in whatever area that is. And consistency is going to play the biggest role. You know, as a Christian and in the Christian community, many times people will say, oh, well, this is their way of living life, but I've seen them, you know, not, you know, they've, they've, they've fallen down this time or they're, they're not always as stern as they, uh, as they, as they say they want me to be or whatever that may be. Well, that's their job as a Christian to make sure that they are staying consistent in what they are preaching to their peers. Now, that's a big thing that I've learned through church, but you don't just learn that at church, you learn that at the gym, you learn that at work, you learn it all over the place. Consistency is what gives you the influence you need. You want to get a raise, your boss needs to see consistent results. You want to build your body mass, you want to get bigger muscles, or you want to lose weight, either one of those requires consistency daily discipline that can be broken down in so many different ways. But I think today we just focus on consistency and being consistent about something in your life that you have a strong value for and that you want to influence others. There's nothing wrong with influencing other people. As I said before, you're going to be an influence to others, whether you want to or not. Somebody out there is being influenced by what you do. I was shocked to find out that there were individuals who, since starting this podcast, uh, have come up to me and said, you know, hey, man, I'm, you, you're, you're an inspiration, you know, or, or I'm, I'm inspired by you. And I'm not saying that for, for clout by any means. I was personally surprised and humbled to have somebody say that to me. Because I had no idea that anybody was was looking up to me. Well, you know, I knew I had a few um, 
people who who had who had told me things like that and, and typically the first type of people i think of is you know my mom will say my younger brother looks up to me or you know your sister really looks up to you and things like that but you know i didn't realize that it it, it went any further than that and to realize that and then to take a look at myself and say oh okay then i really need to make sure that i'm consistent in what it is that they see in me because if i fall short that's going to affect their journey a little bit. I'm not by any means 100% responsible for their journey, but I do have a responsibility as somebody that someone may look to for inspiration, um, you know, or or you know, even even just a little bit of guidance or a little tidbit of wisdom that I back up what I talk about and I back up what I do by being consistent in what I talk about and what I do. So it's a challenge. I'm challenging myself to say I need to be more consistent. And I want to challenge you to do the same. So those are two of the things that I've encountered. So the, the 40% rule, you know, we're only pushing 40% and then consistency being key. So now let's get into some of the takeaways from our guests on the show. I've had some amazing guests on the show this month. We had Paul Angoni. Uh, we had uh, Tony Gonzalez, and then we had Jim Harshaw Jr. So three amazing guests this month, and I think that my takeaways is really going to stem from uh, from Paul Angoni's episode, where his uh, we focused a lot on the questions that we ask ourselves, and that has kind of set the precedent for some of my takeaways from our other two guests. You know, what are the questions that we are asking ourselves? Are we even asking ourselves any questions at all? we need to be you hear the phrase there are no stupid questions but there are stupid answers so you know i i I do i do challenge that a little bit i will say i challenge that a little bit i grew up uh hanging around a friend of mine who when i went over to his house uh, his parents did believe in stupid questions so there's a caveat to that and that is uh, if I walked up to the kitchen and asked what's for dinner and there was obviously a box of spaghetti sitting right there next to the stove that his mother was working on, she would give me a dumb look and be, really, really, you, you, you can't tell what's, what's, what's for dinner tonight? So that may be a dumb question. Or if I come in and sit down on the couch, like, hey, what are we watching on TV? Well, if you would wait five minutes, you would find out. So there is a caveat to that. Uh, definitely make sure you're using common sense, but I know I'm talking to you guys who understand that there are different sides to every perspective, but let's not get sidetracked by the fact that we need to be asking questions of ourselves on a daily basis, uh, you know, all throughout our day, everything that we encounter, there needs to be questions that we ask ourselves. And so I've written down a few questions that have stood out to me just from our specific guests because there are so many questions we could ask. We could ask questions about how we feel, why we feel that way, um, why we reacted a certain way, you know, uh, why our goals are our goals. There's, there's so many questions we can ask. And I think it's important to ask all of those questions. That's why I love Paul Angoni's book, you know, 101 Questions to Ask in Your 20s. You don't even have to be in your 20s to read this book. These questions uh, are universal no matter what age you're in. 
I have found that there are several people in their 30s and 40s uh, who have things less put together or have less questions answered about themselves than people who do in their teen years. Uh, so I, I really don't see uh, an age being a restriction to read that book uh, or, or to ask questions. We should, we should be asking questions uh, from as early on as we can to for the rest of our lives. So one of the questions that I have is, what's keeping me from getting started? Now, this is obviously a little bit of a tag along from the last process perspective uh, episode we did. But that one, we were talking more about the uh, the equipment or having it all put together to get started. You know, that's just one aspect of what could be keeping you from getting started. It could be fear. Are you afraid to get started? We mentioned that a little bit earlier about, you know, being afraid to fail. Is that what's potentially keeping us from getting started? The answers can vary from individual to individual. Really dive deep into that question. What is keeping you from getting started? Now, this doesn't mean, this doesn't have to mean, you know, what's keeping me from getting started on this ginormous business idea that I have in mind. Maybe I don't even have a business idea in mind. Why don't I? That's, that's a good question to ask. Sure. But it can be the very small things. What's keeping me from getting started on my work on time. You know, when I when I go to work, what's keeping me from doing it on time every single day? What's keeping me from doing that? Or what's keeping me from starting to run, you know, uh, once or twice a week? What's keeping me from showing deeper affection to my loved ones? There's There's all kinds of things that we're not starting in our lives and there's always a reason behind it sometimes the answer to the question what's keeping me from getting started is not always a negative sometimes it's a positive because there's a value that you have that outweighs the goal that you have so you may say uh, you know what's a good question we can think of one here um you know let's just go with what's keeping me from uh, becoming a culinary arts professional. Well, you know, I really have never cared to be one. Um, I saw a few food network shows and thought that it looked really cool and really fun. But beyond that, uh, I really don't care too much for becoming a culinary arts master whatever it's called. You can tell how much I know about the culinary arts and, 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 and being good at, at whipping up meals. I view food as fuel. My wife will tell you the same thing. It aggravates her that I really don't care what it tastes like at the end of the day. If I'm, if I'm doing a meal plan, I understand that I can put food into my body and it's just for fuel. I can, I can scarf it down. I do what I got to do. So if all of a sudden one day I have an idea to, to get into the culinary arts, but What's keeping me from getting started is that I really don't care about it that much. I just kind of thought it was cool because I saw something on TV. So I need to get realistic with that and decide, is that something I really want to put all my effort for, effort into? Maybe there's something that I value way more than my effort could be prioritized to. So don't think that when you ask yourself, what's keeping me from getting started, that the answer always has to be, well, it's this, and I really need to overcome that so that I can finally get started. It might be, well, it's this, and that is a strong enough reason not to get started because there's something else that deserves all my energy and attention. That's why we ask the questions. 
It's not because the answer is always the same. It's because it's going to be different for every single person. You can't Google why or you can't Google what's keeping me from getting started and find out the answer that suits you. So you have to ask the question and you have to answer the question. So let's move on to the next one. What will I be taking away from others if I quit today? So this is a take on one of the questions that uh, that Paul Angoni pulls from his book. And it may not have been worded the same, but it was along the same lines. So what will I be taking away from others if I quit today? This kind of plays into the consistency equals influence uh, lesson that I learned as well. What are you doing that if you quit... Others will be affected by you quitting. They will either be deprived of something that they were receiving from you. They will, uh, you know, no longer have a resource that they used to have. Whatever that may be, chances are, if you're passionate about something, that it is going to affect other people. Now, how many people that is, that's up to you. How big you want your audience to be, that's completely up to you. But somebody is being affected by the choices that you make and when you decide to make a choice to quit it is very good to consider what will you be taking away from the people who have been benefiting from what you've been doing if you decide to quit volunteering down at the community uh, what are you going to be taking away there might be a deficit of people willing to volunteer. You have to weigh that. Now, that's kind of an extreme case, but you can take it down even as far as if I decide to quit doing the dishes, what's going to happen? My dishes are going to pile up, and I know this because occasionally I will forget to do the dishes on the weekend, and Monday the dish pile is two or three times as tall as it should be because I should be taking care of those dishes uh, on the weekends. But, uh, and I'm not going to make excuses, but... You know, those are the things. My wife is probably going to give me some dirty looks as she goes through the kitchen. You know, th that's something very, you know, very small. But uh, any of you who are living uh, with a significant other and you know what I'm talking about uh, when you when you when you get a look about something that you have neglected to do uh, and you know that quitting doing that uh, forever has its consequences. And this applies to a vast majority of things, uh, so many different things, that you may be contemplating quitting right now as you're listening to this podcast. Think about who it will affect and how it will affect them, as well as yourself. Typically, ourselves are going to be the first ones that we think about, but also think about the external, the other people who are going to be affected by if you quit. Okay. So let's move on to the last question that I have written down here, and that's, what is my plan for executing even when I don't want to? So I pulled this one from Jim Harshaw. What is my plan for executing even when I don't want to? This is a fantastic question because it may lead you to another question, which is, what is my plan for executing? You can cut that question in half, and now you've got another question that hasn't even been answered yet. So what is my plan for executing? Do I have a plan to execute? Uh, I need to get one put together. Why do I need to get one put together? You know, you start rolling that into several different things, but let's just go ahead and answer the question as it stands, which is what is my plan for executing even when I don't want to? This is going to be different for a lot of people based on what motivates you, based on 
what your why is, what your value is that you decided to start doing this thing to begin with. And you need to have a plan together for when things get hairy, when things get a little crazy and you're, you're being pushed to enter a place of comfort rather than do what you had planned to do originally happens all the time with working out you know people were getting close to the new year and you'll see the gyms start to fill up with people who have made their new year's resolutions to go to the gym as a common common topic everybody talks about this issue and what you'll find is that many people start to fade out after two three weeks uh, into january and part of the reason is is that these people have a want to get into the gym they have a desire uh, it may or may not connect with a core value or, or a core why but they most likely failed to put a plan together to execute even when they didn't want to this would look different for several different people you got to think about what motivates you you got to think about what are some triggers in your day what are some things you got to ask more questions. Ultimately, you have to ask more questions uh, from the original question to find out what you need to start implementing that is going to help you execute even when you don't want to. So for me, that might mean looking at a picture of mine and my wife's uh, first sonogram. I look at the picture of my son. That's going to be part of my plan. I'm going to connect my brain with my why. Another part of my plan might be that I, uh, I discipline myself for not doing what I had set out to do. So maybe I've been rewarding myself for going to the gym by, uh, you know, maybe it's uh, I get a cookie, you know, something like that. Uh, I give myself a cookie every time I go to the gym. Well, I'm not going to give myself that cookie if I fail to go. So you got to think about the reward system. Take away the reward if you don't execute what you plan to do when you didn't want to. So you can use your why as a motivator. You can use rewards as a motivator. Make sure you're taking them away if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And we can go down the rabbit hole of a few different things. But overall, we're talking about asking yourself questions to get yourself to where you want to be. I think those three are some really good questions that I personally had some takeaways on. I would love to hear your questions that you had some takeaways on. So head on over to Peace With The Process on the Facebook page. Comment on the, uh, the teaser video that I put up for this episode. Or if you really enjoyed this episode and you want to continue to have conversations like this, you want to continue asking yourself questions, uh, even asking other people questions so that you can learn from other people, check out the Peace with the Process Facebook group. That's where a lot of the back and forth feedback is going to be happening because you can post your own question and get answers from other like-minded individuals, learn from their experiences, their mistakes and their successes. Uh, we can talk about today's episode. We can talk about <clears throat> excuse me, we can talk about uh, the different situations that are coming up in our lives. So these process perspectives are what's going to go on in that Facebook group. So if you are a growth-driven individual, make sure you head over there to the Facebook group. 
Now, you can start your own conversation in there all by yourself. I'm waiting to get 10 strong individuals into that group before we start really engaging and really diving into some deep questions, uh, before I start putting some information in there. Because I want to build a big team of people who uh, have different perspectives, uh, different experiences that we can all learn from each other and grow. So head on over there. And also check us out at peacewiththeprocess.com where you can see all the podcast episodes as well as any blog articles that I've uploaded. And you can also check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, I'm on several other Google Podcasts. I'm on, I think, like nine or ten different platforms. Um, and leave us a rating and review anywhere that that is available. I really appreciate those ratings and reviews. It helps get this conversation and these topics out to uh, other like-minded individuals, people who are committed to growing and furthering themselves. And let's let those people know that there's other people out there like us who we can connect with and we can support them and we can challenge them along that journey so that we can all collectively grow and create growth all in the process i know i'm throwing around a ton of uh a ton of peace with the process innuendos in there so i want to thank you guys again for getting on another episode of peace with the process for the process perspective episode and i've really enjoyed you guys sticking in here we're two months into this i'm so excited for all of our guests lined up in december i'm excited for you to hear them i'm excited for me to hear them again because i've recorded most of them already and then i've got some people lined up in january as well so we're still pushing we're shooting we've already got three months in the bag all i've got to do is hit play on those and then i've got january almost booked up as well so we've got three months in uh we're two months down i've got three months built up january is almost full as well so that'll be four months so we're very quickly moving up on a whole half a year of peace with the process being live um cannot wait to have some of our guests on for future episodes and i cannot wait to hear who else we have on and i appreciate and love everybody's support that you have given me uh, over over these past two months it's extremely valuable and uh, to those of you who have uh, who have made comments um, about the influence that i've had in your lives thank you so much uh, for doing so, for uh, for letting me know that you have definitely challenged me to be a better person because I've been able to acknowledge that uh, that I've been an influence in some form or fashion, no matter how small or big that that may be. Uh, thank you for challenging me. Um, and uh, head over to that Facebook group if there's anything we can challenge you to do, uh, and then in return continue to challenge us. Thanks again, and we'll see you guys on the next episode of Peace with the Process.